<laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> oh my gosh, the HBO's back, back already up. Jesus. All right, Hell you have Sam and Maddie. <laughs> We're excited, and oh this episode was hilarious. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So today we are talking about something different than what. It's not um, fantasy like we've talked about in the last few shows that we did, but it is none other than the White Lotus season two. Uh, we are incredibly excited about it. I loved, you know, we both loved season one, so we're back at it. Season two, episode one, um, called Chow. <laughs> I am, I'm just, you know, I just want to say buongiorno a tutti <laughs> to all the hoes out there. We are in fucking Italy. We are living it up. I am drinking an Aperol spritz on October 30 fucking first because it's not just a summer drink. And fuck a Negroni Spagliato with Prosecco in it. I'm done with that <laughs> shit. Give me something simple and sweet. So, um, yeah, we're just reveling in this Sicily summer goodness of this show right now. Yes, absolutely. Um, I really like that you said that summer sizzly. It really felt warm. The scenery, like overall thoughts, baby. I just, you know, I think when people romanticize like Italy and Sicily and all these illy places, there, this is what they see. They're like, oh my gosh, warm sun, water, boat. I literally, I, so I, uh, was just there. Oh, by the way. Okay. This is Sam talking. Maddie is the other one. Just in case you're coming here for the first time. In case they didn't know from before. Oh, also spoiler warning. Fuck. We always forget this. Uh, spoiler warning. Everything White Lotus season two, episode one in season one on the fucking table. Do not listen. If you haven't watched, thank you. Goodbye. Um, me watch i just spent two weeks in italy a month ago and all i drank was aperol spritzes and i was in spain for a couple days and i drank uh sangria pretty much the whole time but aperol spritzes baby fucking on the table forever i'm like i don't and i live in massachusetts so it's like even if it's like it's it's literally halloween right now uh, we're recording this the day after the episode aired, um, and it's it's cold, and it's dry, and it's leafy, and it's foliagey, and I don't give a shit. I'm still drinking a bright red fucking drink because forever. Yes, I can get oranges here at any time. Thank you, Mexico, uh, and thank you, Florida. But <laughs> fuck it, Hell yeah. is always in the diet. You know what I mean? Speaking of. On the table, I will just mention the Aperol Spritz in this episode. I know I'm jumping the gun a little, but it was a character of its own. When I saw those babies on the table, I was like, oh, hey, Aperol. Yes. What's up, girl? Yeah, Ain't yeah. seen you. Oh, God. Um, it felt it. iconic. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Um, okay, I'm sorry I interrupted your overall thoughts. Maddie, please take it away with oh, everything you thought about this episode. <laughs> I am here for Aperol Spritz. It is fine. We can tangent into that anytime. Uh, no, but yeah, it was it was great. I thought it was super dynamic. It's very thought provoking. Um, I think it's such a good commentary on 
life uh, in a lot of ways. I think people who watched uh, the first season of White Lotus probably felt that like, oh, this is very this is very thought provoking. I mean, didn't it win stuff? You know these yeah, things. It won a ton of fucking Emmys. A ton of Emmys. Yeah. Yeah. So it's I, Emmys, basically. Yeah, I'm intrigued. It feels like uh, subtle tension, and it feels like, uh, I don't know, it feels like delicate matters that are kind of gray area mm-hmm. for a lot of people um, yeah. in general. So yeah, I think it's it, I think it's very interesting. I'm I'm intrigued. I am enticed. I'm hooked, lined and synced, baby. You can reel me right in, yes. right in. Um, yeah, so the first season of White Lotus was definitely all about, um, classism, white privilege, uh, you know, the politicking and that sort of just race and, um, and gender a little bit, and then also just class. And then this one, as, uh, as told in interviews, what is more like sexual politics, and we see that right off the gate in this and i love that because i love sex and i love politics those guys yeah Yeah, and this (laughs) this is white hodis if you will yeah 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 um so it's like you couldn't have made a better show for me it starts off with a murder mystery of course in a beautiful place. Um, and yeah, in a gorgeous place. I, I'm like I, I am a sucker for horror in bright places. Uh and so yeah, it's 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 that and then it's it's just like you immediately like into the characters. Um the one on like I, I have so many honorable mentions in this, but Michael Imperioli fucking love you i am like a diehard fan of the sopranos so like he him coming back as being christopher moltisanti fucking decades ago to coming back to hbo to be dominic degrazzo i'm just like oh god you sexy bitch i'm so happy you're back um <laughs> i yeah, loved him he's handsome he is still I, so handsome i was oh like who is a good looking old man oh my god the sicilian fucking and also just <laughs> be known madison and i are both italian um i don't know we i don't think we know where maddie's like family is actually from my family from italy is from sicily so it's like there's also just like a touch of home in this um like i said i was in italy last month it's like it's a very near and dear place to me so i'm just like i love that this episode is like this whole season seems to be like really bringing in like authentic Italian um, or like Sicilian, like the language and the architecture and the art and the lifestyle and all of these things. Like it just, it's very, I'm like the show literally couldn't have come at a better time for me. Um, I'm obsessed. I'm like, I've been texting Maddie, like I'm in an OCD rabbit hole. Like I'm in a fucking tunnel right now. Like I can't stop looking up everything from the show because I'm obsessed with it. Uh, But yeah, no, I loved it. I have zero qualms about it, which is like, not like me to say that about anything. I always have a qualm about something. Um, I loved it. I'm excited, especially the fact that it is about sexual politics I'm really excited to see how that plays out, especially with all the characters we 
we see throughout this episode like where they're lining up to kind of go and it's it's super fucking interesting yeah Um, on that point you know i think talking about dom um and sexual politics you know like let's talk about the three guys like they're there visiting sicily like their roots yeah so first i actually want to talk about the intro credits really quickly just because they were yeah 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 and then just the the infamous uh white lotus introduction of the one hand wave and fake smile but um the intro yeah. credits were incredible. Uh, I'm like rapidly pulling stills from that because it was great. Like even the way that it progressed, I noticed it immediately. Even this the song, like Mike White. So this was written and directed by Mike White, the runner-up in one of the Survivor games um, on reality TV. Yes, I know. Fucking crazy. But like I think that's why this is so good. Probably, <laughs> probably. Because when you, I don't know. I just feel like reality TV mixed with survival. It, you mixed have a reality competition, yeah. Well, you have you just see things in people. It mm-hmm. gives you a really good insight on like relations, and I'm like that. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. No, incredible, incredible. So like even in this, that like the beginner, like the intro, um, the credit scene. It, it's like I'm trying like I couldn't do it in enough time before we actually filmed this but um I was reading something about like uh Jennifer Coolidge like her character in White Lotus season one her name popped up next to a monkey and then in in this season her name also popped up next to a monkey and so it's like mm-hmm. there's literally like I think that like those things matter, and I I haven't done enough or I haven't had enough time to research at all between this, but like I think that all of that matters. Like at, like it's very Beyonce, it's very detailed, it's very like yes. and all the way that they set these things up. It's funny that like I also wanted to point out that um the whole thing starts out kind of slow and it's beautiful and it's all Renaissance artwork and it's gorgeous. And you know, it's, it's so different from season one, which I loved, but it's still the same, like it's still the same melody, but different music behind it, which was really nice. Then the beat dropped and then, and it turned into like house music. Right. And I'm just like, Oh my God, this Europe. Thank you. Just apologize to you and to everyone right now for completely skipping right over that absolute masterpiece of a bop. It was so so fun. It was so fun. I wasn't expecting the intro song either. I'm sorry. I got so excited to get into the episode, but it was great because I saw somebody is there was a great Twitter post about that. I'm sure you guys have seen it on Instagram and on Twitter, but like, just like the DJ spinning records and it's yes. like the, the fucking, um, oh God, that was so funny. And I loved it. I, I can't believe that I just glossed right over that. I'm so okay. sorry. Yeah, no, I think that all of it is, is hyper intentional. And so um, as soon as the beat drops and we have, um, uh, Theo, is that his name? Theo? Fuck. Uh, Theo James. Yep. Okay. I had it right the first time. Theo James, who plays Cameron Babcock, who 
is like clearly gonna be the the series like psychopath one of or sociopath like one of the dozen that are in this um the beat drops and that's when all of the imagery becomes complete anarchy it's just violence and sex and chaos and all of these images that we're seeing so we start with like these beautiful images even though they're like deceptively beautiful right there's some like adultery and there's some other shits you know but then we go right into just like it gradually gets more and more sinister and that was so smart and well done um and yeah theo theme like theo james like beat drop like someone's head's getting cut off and I'm just like, okay, yeah. yeah, well that's a foreshadow if I've ever seen one. Yeah. Um, yeah. God. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the, the infamous wave, the greeting of them. Oh my gosh. <laughs> God, that's so funny. That was so funny and iconic. Um, the, it, you know, we talked about it. It mirrors the season one. Yes, and 100%. I think it it also you know the resort manager kind of mirrors the neuroses of the previous resort yes. manager, definitely. Which yeah. is they, they they could have been cousins. He just being from Australia and her just being from Sicily, but they <laughs> um they do each other like they're really if they were like starring opposite of each other, they would be perfect. Because they're like just two of this like very um very ambitious, very like ruthless, you know, like ju- they have this cunning kind of personality, but they're also dicks. They're also really big dicks. Like she and I don't know yeah. if she realizes how big of a dick she is, but for, like mind you, she is my favorite character already. She will continue to be my favorite character this entire season. Favorite noted immediately she can do no wrong to me i don't care if she does the worst thing imaginable like i still love her to death um <laughs> we don't know her name yet but she is played by a woman named sabrina Pacciatore, and i'm just like yes i'm happy that just on a note of like um italian actresses and actors getting like a shot at like big screen like us you know and global really i'm just like for them i'm very happy that mike white and the casting crew away lotus chose to um hire directly from where they were filming so like that's just a big like tear in my eye note for me um yeah i'm just like sabrina bitch i love you i fucking love you she's incredible she's incredible yeah um, yeah, so I really liked the opening. It is uh familiar and I think like it's a nice formula that has been figured out here. It's like a little equation where you can do different themes with this type of like television mm-hmm. and it will still be interesting. Um, which I think is really hard to do. And I, and I'm, I don't know. I think like hats off and kudos like to everybody involved in this. I think it's just so smart. Yeah. Um, so agree. yeah, like it's very cool. And uh, yeah, 
the fucking oh god i don't know who my favorite is yet i can't i can't decide i haven't I haven't made any choices on oh, that. Oh, that's fine. Honestly, you probably shouldn't because everyone's a cunt. So, um, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Like everyone ends up being an asshole. Uh, but yeah, no, she's just my favorite because I'm just like, yeah, I fucking love to watch her. Every time she was on the screen, I was just like so engaged. And I'm like, yeah, whatever you're going to say is going to be funny as fuck. And I know it. And she's just, very funny character, comedic actress, um, like brava to her. But uh, yeah, that scene was great because it was like that was it, it was nice that they kept the same formula. Like you said, mm-hmm. like it was just it's the same like don't fix what isn't broken. It worked the first season. It was great the first season. This season kept it the same, kept the same recipe. And it was fucking wonderful because we loved that. Like I loved that intro of like, everybody's on the same boat. Everybody is different from one another. Like you've got the three guys in the family, you've got the, the two couples and then you've got fucking Tanya, AKA Jen Coolidge and her assistant. And it's like, that's who they're bringing on. And like those main characters. And it's just, it's a really, really fun way to intro characters like no other show has really i don't think ever done that in that way you know it's like okay yeah we're bringing them all on board right fucking now they're all together already and then i uh, like personally love an ensemble cast i personally love um storylines where everyone gets melded into one another into some big thing um it reminds me a lot of um any leanne moriarty like novel like Big Little Lies, Nine Perfect Strangers. Mm-hmm. It's all kind of reminiscent of that, of like there's something fucking terrible that happens that we have like very little knowledge of in the very beginning. And then boom, like backtracked to where all of these people that are involved actually collide. Yes. Um, and I love that storytelling and I love it, but like, honestly it gets old after a while and the way that the white Lotus said the way that Mike white uh, writes it is refreshing. Yes. Because it's, it's new ideas. It's updated ideas. It's new concepts. Like even in white Lotus season one, like where he's talking about just like racism and classism and all these, like all of these very big uh, controversial topics and the way that he wrote it in the way that all characters had a piece on their side and were able to to dialogue it out. I'm just like, he's a fucking genius in that way in writing yeah. it. Because yeah. it's very hard to talk about topics like that and have your characters talk about di- like like talk and dialogue like that without being like canceled immediately number one but like also without being like so off-putting that you know you just turn the show off and never watch it again absolutely it's got a very good way of like like skimming that line of you know like i'm gonna i'm gonna go there but i'm not gonna go too far where this is too much for you. Like I'm, I think it's there. That's why I said before, I think it was so artful and it's like a commentary because it's nuanced 
but it's true. Like there is a lot of truth in it and we see it, but it's a lot of like what I would say is reading in between the lines. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like things, you know how when people say like, oh, it's like an unwritten rule. You know, it's like something that like just women know between each other, like men know between each other, whatever, like those little, you know, like those little things in life. So I'm just like, I think that there are, it's a similar thing. Like it's, it's hard to put into words and not even that. I think when you're uncomfortable and you don't know people, it's hard to put it out there publicly because these are hard uncomfortable conversations yeah definitely They're sensitive and they can be triggering and it's to me it's more like art than anything I mean yeah. media is art but but still like it's yeah you're right it's really yeah. smart it's really well done um and I think it's really hard to do I think you have to you have to think about it a lot and you have to be very thoughtful Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And that's how this whole series, like as as an entity has felt to me is that this was very thought through. This was very conversed amongst, like the idea was conversed. The dialogue was conversed amongst him and probably so many other people. Like, I wish that I knew the people in his writer's room because I'm like, you're Mm -hmm. all fucking geniuses. Like Mike White, you're a genius. But like, I like, it, this takes many brains to make. I'm really glad you said that because I was going to say I would imagine that his team is probably extremely thoughtful as well yeah. and smart yeah. and, and sensitive and they've had some really hard conversations and some yeah. really awkward yeah. conversations and I think like even the actors and actresses like it's probably like these are I don't know it it would be very difficult to take on roles like this oh 100 percent 100 percent um okay let's move right into the cast because god there's a lot to talk about there's a lot to spill with these fucking people Jesus. there is I am uh I also just want to say like I'm very happy with the cast um I knew that we were getting a cast change I knew that Jay Cool, aka Jennifer Coolidge, aka Tanya, um, would be back. Uh, mm-hmm. She was the only character that we knew that we would be returning. Um, her husband, that Greg. fucking suck. Um, yeah, Greg, he's back. Um, which I thought would be fine because I really loved him the first season. But like, I mean, fuck that guy. Now we'll get into it later. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about the. Um, the three Italians. Uh, we have um, Dom, who is pay- played by none other than Michael Imperioli from The Sopranos, who played Christopher Moltisanti on Sopranos. I am a diehard Sopranos girl, <laughs> a diehard Sopranos hoe. Okay, oh. fucking love him. I will be a hoe from it for him any fucking day. I love that man. I think he's the sexiest thing walking this planet. Love him. So happy he's back on screen. So happy he's back on HBO. I'm like, like another reason why I'm just like, this is just he, Italy, White Lotus was just the cake. He was the cherry. And giving all of it to me. And I'm like, I'm already a gluttonous hoe. Like, stop (laughs) giving me everything I want because I will just want more, more, more. He, okay. So he plays Dominic DeGrasso. 
his son is played by is Albie, uh, played by Adam DeMarco, and then uh, the his father, Albie's grandfather, is played by uh, F. Murray Abraham, which he's an Oscar winner. So I'm just like the only like truly not Italian. I mean, he might be Italian in some way. He's not Italian in the name. But I'm here for it because he's a fucking Oscar winner. And I'm like, yes, we welcome you any day of the week. You're going to be a fantastic actor. Clearly, we saw in this episode that he was with the farting and the falling. Oh, my um, God. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, like, their dynamic is, uh, you know, right away that sex politics, we see it. So the grandfather is, you know, like, I would say the cliche stereotype, like, oh, a creepy old guy, like... Mm-hmm. He's flirting with girls and I don't know, like not young, not like underage, you know, it's not like that. They're just like younger women, 20s, 30s. And he's like, I think they said like 82 in the episode. I might be wrong, but I think 80s. Yeah. Um, At dinner, um, Dom, Michael Imperioli, uh, I'm just going to say Dom at Mike I. Probably just so we know, because I just want to call him by by his name all the time. Fucking love him. <laughs> but um, he said you're 80 years old at dinner. So, okay. Okay. So I'm assuming it's it. You know, he doesn't necessarily need to be 80, but he's in that circumference of yeah, 80. Yeah, he's in that range. So like, it's already a little bit off putting. Now I might have a controversial take and it's the first episode. So you're right. I shouldn't go to bat for anybody because they're all probably assholes. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I was like, okay, he didn't say anything sexual to these people. He wasn't like, oh, let me show you. Blah, blah. Like, you know, he's not trying to be Louis gross. Like, yeah, I'm not going to Louis CK you and show you my fucking schlong. Like, yeah, he wasn't being lewd. <laughs> yeah honestly i'm like okay an old man an older guy in his 80s and he's like oh you have a beautiful smile like i'm gonna know that he's trying to you know flirt with me but like i'm not gonna take offense to that so i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong for this no no the thing is is that it is the the woman's discretion what is what they will accept and what they want so you are not wrong for any of your feelings that was such a good way to put that actually yeah, it is it, it's the the person receiving it that's it's up to their discretion and that's why in situations like this like men need to be careful women need to be careful everybody needs to be careful because it's it's not really how, like you could be used to like overtly expressing yourself in whatever way you want some person might find that uncomfortable and that might be an issue for you Right. So it's like, that's, that's, that's where the problem comes in. And then we have just like this era of the me too, where, you know, he, okay. So we have this, this situation where the three guys, after they actually get into the hotel, they're in the room, they're greeted by a host. um, And, you know, grandpa Bert is just, like <laughs> flirting the shit, like flirting with her, yeah, and she's, her yeah, and she, you know, she's gracious and kind, and both Dom and Albie are just like, um, okay, like this is. We also know that just as like a context, you know, uh, point that 
Dom, played by Michael Imperioli, is um, he's like some director bigwig, right? Like he's he's yes. like staying in Hollywood. So like we find that out later. So it's like he probably has had his fair share of Me Too, you know, shit, right? Not shit in a bad context, but just like, like, it's just, it's been a lot of shit, especially with Me Too was born in Hollywood. It died. Like, it's just, it's, it's a Hollywood thing. So, um, you know, so we have these guys that are just more like culturally conscious with the feminism movement, with the Me Too movement, with the equality movement. And then you have this 80 year old who just has no clue. And he's not being, he's not being disrespectful at all. In fact, he's just nothing but complimentary. And, um, you know, so he's really not doing anything wrong. It doesn't seem like she's that like visibly upset. We can't really tell. Uh, Mm -hmm. but you know, they start asking this, this, uh, you know, this room service, uh, you know, kind of server, if you will, if he, if she will be, um, their their uh translator when they go to the Santa yes. and then he farts. <laughs> yes. yes. Little old man. You know what though? Oh my fucking god. Like okay, so the theme music, I was like, okay, we're back. Then the the one hand like fake wave. Okay, we're back. And then the fart, I was like, all right, we're actually back right now. We're actually back. And yeah. Like, I just want to say, like, we're coming off of House of the Dragon. Like, literally, not even a week has passed since we did House of the Dragon. And there was, like, literal no humor in that show. Not a lot of humor. Probably, like, a handful of moments. I I would say I would say four within, in ten episodes, four times I actually was like, oh, and I didn't even laugh out loud. I was just like, oh, huh, you know, (laughs) I'm like, I laughed out loud so hard multiple times. And I'm like, thank God humor is back. HBO, please, for the love of God, make (laughs) House of the Dragon funnier next time. Like, anyways, won't get into that. But like this man farts. And then, you know, one of my quotable, um, honorable humorous mentions is just like Bert farts and then uh you know this poor girl finally gets out of the room and you know they're talking about themselves and then um he was like yeah you were sexually what did he say you were sexually he didn't say sexually harassing because it wasn't I don't know if it was harassing but then uh you know Dom is saying this to him and then Albie goes yeah and you're farting or you farted and he was like it was the Prosecco and it was <laughs> this poor man is just like in he doesn't have controllable bowels anymore. Like he's no. fucking <laughs> Yeah, yeah. This man is right now <laughs> hilarious. And like that's the thing. I'm like, okay, if he's farting and falling all the time and he's like it feels harmless right now. And I don't want to minimize anybody's feelings ever in a situation like that because you're absolutely right whatever the person is comfortable with and what they would allow to receive um you know for me on a personal level I'm like okay like a a little old guy like he's he told me I have a nice smile and he's joking with me about 
you know, being a translator in Sicily. Like, I see what you're doing and it's funny and it's cute, but get out of here. Get out of here. You know, like, I, for me, it's fine. Um, but I do think, like, it's just setting it up uh, for the season just in general. Like, I think, you know, and, like, it's not fun. You know, like, it's not like I want to go out and be hit on by old men. But, like, if it happens, I'm like, okay, like, I'll just, I'm just going to move on. Yeah. Honestly, I think what the that whole thing was setting up for the season is – he's probably going to get into some trouble. Well, yeah. That's- and I think also it's yeah. just very thought provoking because even for me, like, you know, do I want to fend off that kind of interaction? Do I not want that interaction? Would I be fine in my life without that interaction? Absolutely. Like get out of here. But also if it, ha- so I don't know, it's, it's gray area. And this is what white Lotus does so well. This is what they it really do. Does. Well. It really does. It really does. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see what happens with Nono as we go. Yeah, um, I really like Albi right now. By the way, I think he's sweet. Fucking great. Albie's I think so he's great. very sweet. I think he cares about his family. Like the way he walks with his grandpa and like helps him even in front of a girl that he thinks is cute. I'm like, you have no shame in your game. Man, and listen. That's great. Um. Okay. Just going back to Bert the no no the grandpa quickly when he when albie is sitting at the the um the pool with portia who is tanya's assistant i the first time i watched the episode i didn't see him actually fall and then i watched it again and then i'm like watching it like deep like i'm just i'm like hooked on the screen and then i actually see the way that he fell and I fucking died. I literally fell out of my chair because I'm like, this man is dramatic. It was so charismatic. It was so theatrical. I'm like, Bert, what are you doing? How did you fall? Like, like, not on the stairs, just like, oh, I'm on level ground. But he went down two flights of stairs and is on level ground. And then all of a sudden cartwheels into a fucking like, oh my God. It was hilarious. It was so fucking funny. So fucking funny. But anyways, let's talk about Albie. Albie Albie is the sweetest thing. I... Okay, so there are two innocents so far that I see in this. And it's Albie and it's Ethan, who is the... the, um, He's one of the couple. The husband with the dark hair. Yes, he, yeah, he's the um, Harper's husband. He's the one that just sold his company, made a bunch of money, was invited on the trip by Theo James and uh, the, whatever her name is. I will know it when we talk about them. Um, but <laughs> the two of them are like my innocence so far. Uh, because I feel like in White Lotus, you need to have innocence because most people aren't. It's not like... It's really like opposite murder mystery, right? Like murder mystery, you're like everyone's a suspect. And then I I slowly find innocence through that based on, you know, I disagree with one of those because of something that happens later in the episode, but we'll get there. Okay. okay. All right. I love it. I honestly I want you to disagree. I know you do. I know you fucking do. It was a cool <laughs> fucking clue and I'm obsessed. Um 
but yeah, no, normally murderous or in, uh, mysteries, everybody is guilty until proven innocent. So with this, it's almost like these two are my innocence right now that I'm holding in my pocket. Like, I'm just like, if we had to guess who was killer, I would guess not these two, you know? Well, the thing is, I don't think anyone's a killer on purpose. Like, that's the other thing about White it Lotus. It's not like, okay, the great thing about this, and I should have said this earlier, the show reminds me of the game of Clue, but in a, in a less definitive way. So we know that something bad is going to happen, but I don't think that it's like planned, premeditated, I am going to do this, I know what you did last summer type of shit. Like, it's, it's not like that. It's like, weird shit that happens in life because of tensions and boiling and all of these different things that are like surrounding you. And that's, that's the interesting part. So I, I agree. agree. That's, that's kind of where I was getting at was that like, it's not like a murder mystery. It's almost like a, who didn't do it? You know, like, mm-hmm. well, I, that's how I felt about season one, too. It's like all of these people are capable of doing some shicey shit, right? Every mm-hmm. single person is a questionable character. And so that's what this show does so well is that it's like, it's like it starts from the absolute worst of the worst and then builds better and better. And then, to, like, at the absolute end of it, you get who would really be capable of something like that. You right. know, whether it's an accident or not, but who would be capable of living with something like that? So, like, like let's actually, on that note, just touch on the very beginning scene where we have the wife, um, the wife, hold on, I'm pulling out my cheat sheet of the characters because mm-hmm. they're like, okay, Daphne, who is the wife Daphne. of Cameron. Cameron is played by Theo James, that's sexy fucking sociopath um her real name megan fahey okay shout out megan fahey and you just told me this a little while ago she was obviously on the bold type and i knew her face um but as soon as you said it, i was like oh i know exactly who she is she was great on the bold type and the bold type was really fun it's great for all the girlies and for anyone really if you just want something that feels really good it's kind of like the devil wears prada but feel good yeah in a a serious form too yeah Yeah, and the plot is good like it's fun so anyway shout out to her it's really good to see her in something like this i i knew she was a good little actress i knew she was a good little actor so um okay so in the beginning shot which we had the same thing in season one where we had um homeboy God, I'm forgetting his name now, and that's a shame to me. Um, the one really piece of shit chauvinist husband uh, who was in Girls, and he was what was what else was he in? Fucking Beast. Oh, beast. Yes. <laughs> um. So he's he, from X Men. So the the beginning scene in season one is him at the airport leaving Hawaii, trying to go back to the states, and he's sitting across like an older couple. And they asked him where he's coming from. He says, White Lotus. And they said, oh, shit, I heard somebody died there and blah, blah, blah. You're flying with a body on your, your plane, whatever. 
And then he just scoffs at them and leaves. So like immediately, like my impression of that was that his wife died because he said that he was there on his honeymoon. So like Mm -hmm. with this, it's almost like repeat. We don't know what happened. It was very similar in Big Little Lies where there was a death in the beginning of it. And then from then we're investigating, but then we're also jumping back in time on like trying to figure out what the story is. So Mm -hmm. um, murder mystery for sure. But absolutely the beginning of this, it starts with Daphne, who is Cameron's uh, wife. And she is by herself on the beach as she's talking to two other girls that just got there for vacation. She goes back in the water, finds a body in the water. Mm-hmm. And then, then we pan to Rocco and um, the hotel manager. I don't know her name yet. And Rocco is a fucking Rocco. Oh my God. I love that kid. I love him. I'm obsessed. With I fucking love Rocco. Um, he, uh, but he's basically telling her, like, it's not just this body. There is multiple bodies. Yes. So we know that there are multiple deaths and, uh, you know, we don't know who. And I was literally pausing frame by frame, trying to study the body in the water. They made it impossible to see who it oh, actually was. Of course. Uh, I just want to so- say also shout out to her fucking cute ass yellow bathing suit. I'm obsessed. I loved it. And I also love that they open with a banger like that. I was like, oh, body drama. It's just so much drama in the most serene place. And it feels like such a fucking juxtaposition or whatever. I don't know if that's the appropriate word. I think it is. But but like, honestly, I think you're right. Like, it's right. Like, I love it. Like, the reason Midsummer is my favorite horror movie because it's like absolute horror and terror and chaos in the most beautiful place. And I'm like, that is art. Like that is like mastery right there. Mm -hmm. Like the juxtaposition of like such horrible things happening in such a beautiful place. And like, that's, I, he, Mike White mastered that this in this show yeah, in- and it's even scarier because it's just like normal, not normal, but it's like everyday shit that people go through. Like, I feel like the reason this is horrifying in a way is because it's not your average serial killer. It's not your average, like, you know, thrill. Like, it's just like tensions and people and moods and emotions and boiling points. And that is life. Yeah. What so. Yeah. Um, Okay. Let's talk about Jay Cool and her assistant and her husband. Oh Oh, my God. Okay. So hats off, obviously, to Jennifer Coolidge. It's so nice. My mom watched White Lotus and she watched the new episode. So you can text her about it. Um, Because I won't say the C word anymore. Oh, <laughs> don't worry about it. Um, really reserved when I know Maddie's mom is listening. So, hello, Michelle. Shout out, Michelle. <laughs> um, yeah. So, it's just, uh, yeah. I, like I was talking about it with her, and I was like, "Yeah, Jennifer Coolidge is so iconic and everywhere." And she's like, "Hell yeah!" It was like so nice to like little powwow with her. I was like, "Oh my god, look at us being current." Look at you and me 
mom and me. I know. It, I it's it. cutesy patootsy. I can't. I'm like over myself. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Um, Jay fucking cool. Welcome back. You absolute monarch. I am so happy to have you. I literally, okay. There was one, first of all, just, she's just an icon stepping in with all the bags that she needed. Um, her even having this, like, she like pretends to be humble, but she's not humble conversation with the hotel manager. Like, Oh, I'm a, uh, like, what is she? Uh, and she's like, I'm a flower now before I used to be a petal, but like, clearly she's vacation enough to be a flower at the white Lotus. But then my favorite, um, bit from like her, just her introing in was, um, when her and Portia, who is her assistant walk into like the courtyard in the hotel and they find Greg, who is her husband. And she's like, Oh my God. And I'm just like, I miss that so much. I need your voice. I need you every day. I literally like want her to do audible. I want to listen to books in her voice. Oh my God. That would be amazing. Amazing. (laughs) She should absolutely do that and like charge like $1.99 for it. She would make a killing. Um, yeah. By the way, speaking of her just iconicness, I wanted to say how much I appreciated seeing her in that little black getup in the later scene when she's like trying to. So I love she that. was just a vision, and it yes. just made me feel really good and really happy on the inside, just like for womanhood in general. Because I think we worry a lot about aging and like being sexy and attractive. You know, I think a lot of women have had this conversation um and this thought so like seeing her in that just like as a real live woman it was it just gave me the fucking happies i was like oh my god yes like i I loved it and then even as much as that made me happy because i think that like i'll start this with by saying that i think that this is a theme like we know that it's sexual politics um, we know that it's very like feminism, masculism kind of focused and, you know, the politics within unions um, between man and woman. So that's the emphasis on this season. And we're literally already seeing it with Tanya and Greg. And when I saw her in that getup, I was like, God, like, I remember like noting it, like, this is something that this motherfucking Tanya would wear. Like, I loved it. I I immediately, like, I know, like, it was just, it was such a good outfit. But then what the, the um, attitude that she was met with or, like, the reciprocation, is that a word? I don't know. The, the, whatever she, she, what she was received with by Greg, like, hurt me in my bones. Yeah. In that. And so, like, we can talk about it now because we're not really talking about this episode in chronological order. Um, I don't really know. We, we're coming off of, like, very fantastical shows. So, yeah. I'm like, you know, we're kind of working with this structure. So, we're just talking as we, you know, uh, just by themes, I guess. But let's let's talk about Jay Cool and Greg in this. Let's just talk about it now. 
Um, I was incredibly upset with that because I really liked Greg. Greg in season one was like, I don't give a fuck how crazy you are. I still want to fuck you. And I was like, that is all a woman ever wants to hear. Yeah. I mean, at least a woman is crazy as me. I'm like, yeah, if I'm, if I'm drunk and crying and crazy in front of you and you're just like, yeah, I still want to fuck you. I'm like, that's the recipe to my heart. Like, that's what I want. Like, I'm just like, I want somebody that's just going to like be able to deal with my shit and still want me. And so she really delved into that. And that's, it's, it's, that whole thing was so relatable. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I love this guy. He's just like, he's a simple man. And he just, he doesn't, he's not going to be overwhelmed by your bullshit. He's just going to let you deal with it because you're a grown ass woman and Mm -hmm. you know, you're together and as it should be. But then now we're seeing like, he's got these not necessarily controlling tendencies, but like, no, it is controlling because as soon as she gets there, he tells her like, why is your assistant here on our vacation? He like, he, he like pressures her into making the assistant go fucking home. But like the assistant actually just goes to her room. But like, it, it, we start to see these patterns and I'm like, holy shit, Greg. I didn't, holy shit, Greg. Yeah, like, you what Greg. you are. Oh my God. Sorry, Michelle. What an asshole you are. <laughs> no, it's fine. No, Greg is literally awful right now. And I think, yeah. I think that, you know, it's something that we see in relationships in general, whether that be man or woman or whoever it is like on either ends, like, we can see that like, you know, you start off in one way and then like you have these patterns of like jealousy or controlling or manipulation or whatever. So like, um, it sucks. It feels awful. You know, the macaroons that, that pissed me off. That pissed me off so bad. That pissed me off so bad. Yeah. You know, he got mad at her for eating the macaroons and basically told her like, like oh how are you gonna ever lose weight if you're eating macarons and you forget about them and well, you yeah, ate all no. five exactly. yeah he ate all she ate all five and she was like okay there were only three three and for the record he hid the other two so like i just i just want that to be known like it's a fact he hid the two of them yeah and then sure. it was like oh you also drank that whole bottle of prosecco and i'm like okay that i find offensive first you're of all in Sicily. you're uh, literally do that I'm like, okay, so that's number fucking one on anyone. If you're in Italy, eat and drink like you're in Italy. They give you Prosecco like it's fucking water in Italy. So I'm just like, you drink it. Like, yeah, like let's just call it back to the intro where the hotel manager, when um, Harper didn't want a glass of Prosecco, and she's like, oh, I'm okay. And then the hotel manager was just like, you don't want Prosecco? Like, and yeah. like, the dirtiest, like, I'm like, Italians will fucking, that's how they are. I was there for two weeks. Like, it's, it's literally, Prosecco is like a fucking, Prosecco is an hors d'oeuvre. Literally. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. okay, of course she's going to drink the bottle of Prosecco. And it's only like 11% alcohol. Well, anyways, of course she, when she gets into her room, is going to drink the bottle of Prosecco and eat the three fucking macaroons. And the fact that he was fat shaming her for it. I know. And then, like, okay, but I will say her one redeeming quality in this sequence where the macaron conversation is coming up is that they start having sex. She pushes him off because 
she's fucked, right? Like she's fucked in the head. We all know this. That doesn't take away from her being a woman and us that like us. Uh, the way she described why she pushed him off though was so damn funny. <laughs> which we'll get into this. Um, there's the she was looking at the the statue face, the heads yes. that are all over this hotel. Mm-hmm. There's a curse story which we'll explain in a minute, but. She's like, I kept seeing faces and then it was all men's faces. And then I looked at your face and you were just, it was just like angry and, and demented. And I just, and I was just like, that is hilarious. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, she, she, um, that was really what I, my favorite part about that was that she like, she kicks him off and then he is like, and she's like, oh my God, I did. She explains the whole thing, which is hilarious because I'm just like, normally does it. She's just like, she's a fucking open book. She's chaotic and a fucking nut job, but like, she is such an open book about it. Like Aries queen. She is 100%. But, um, and he's like, okay, well I didn't finish. And she's like, oh, I need a breather. I know. Like, I know. I, I'm like, you fucking queen. Yes. Yeah. You demand your space. Like Absolutely. you demand your breather. Like it's just because it's like, I think relatably a lot of us are just like, we feel like we need to finish men off. And like, mm-hmm. it's a thing like sex is about the man finishing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, let, yeah, let's change that fucking narrative. Like I'm over it. Yeah. Like, yeah. She changed that immediately. Like, I love, I literally, that was probably one of my favorite parts of the entire episode. It's like her just being like, okay, well, I need a breather. You know, like, honestly, it was so subtle and soft, but it felt really (laughs) powerful. I was just like, yeah, girl. Like, and I think, like, just on a more serious note, like, any understanding partner, like, that you're with, if you are ever in a situation, especially sexually, where you're like, hey, I need a breather, whatever that may entail, and they are upset with you in any way or frustrated, it's a, you know, it's a sign, you know, make note of it, make note of how it feels, you know, and just, like, analyze that for yourself and make sure that you're in you know, a good place and, and a healthy place. Like you might have to do some, some thinking and some adjusting. 100%. Um, this is going to be a theme throughout the season of just like us being hoes, like, like reiterating like sexual safety. I think, yes. you know, like, so if you're ever in a position where a man is saying like, Oh, well, I didn't finish her. Like in any situation where you're not comfortable continuing or even beginning or anything, like you have the right to say no. And there will be men that want you after that. So like don't think that like this is the end all be all. Like I remember just like myself in personal situations, if I felt like I couldn't satisfy a single person, that I wouldn't be able to satisfy anyone after that or mm-hmm. anyone entirely. And like that's not true at all. Like the exactly the the um, satisfaction, the gratification from a specific sexual experience is only is it's mutual to that one experience. That's it. Yes, everything else is separate. It's not the same. So like, don't carry with you any doubt or guilt or like you know. I would. I'm not going to say trauma, but like 
just don't carry with you the baggage from past experiences to new experiences. They're totally different. They will always be different. Trust mm-hmm. me. Every man is different. Every fucking man is completely different. So yes. Yes. be a hoe on your own accord. Yeah. Be a hoe or not be a hoe. It doesn't even matter. The, the thing is, is like we're reenacting the whole thing. Listen, hoe is a spectrum, baby. Like yes. hoe is a spectrum. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. Yes, dropping knowledge on these babies because yes. they need to know. Babies, come yes. to us. We have um, all the knowledge. Yeah, in case and anyone didn't know. At, yeah, no, email us at hbhose or hb at hose. Wait, what is it? Hb hose <laughs> at hbhose.com. It's at Email us there. We will give you all the, like, not sex advice. We're not advisors. We're not therapists. We're also not doctors. But we have experience and honestly, we feel great about ourselves after all of our ho-scapades. So hell yeah. Hell yeah. And so, yeah, I just think that I think that this was a really good um and that's not to say, like, look, there were times that we didn't feel good about some of our ho-scapades. Hundred you know? percent. And and you know, it sucked. So like I just think that this is very interesting. It's very telling. I think it's it's very relatable. I think a lot of people go through it, man or woman, or however you identify. I just think that like people and relations, relationships, this is what happens. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, like if you're feeling, the bottom line is if you're ever feeling bad or uncomfortable, just make sure that you are taking the right measures to feel good because you absolutely deserve that just like everyone does. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. So, so greatly said, Maddie. Oh my God. It. Thank you. I always feel like I said the, the wrong thing out here. I'm like, man, I said that When it comes to, to sexual health, you are on fucking par, lady. Hell You're yeah. Right. <laughs> um, okay. Well, and so that is, that's our kind of like grand messaging for the, I think the rest of the season. We know that the season is going to be very sexually uh like prominent it's gonna be like sex is gonna be at the forefront of the drama in the season um but you know for anybody just know that if you have any sexual problems please reach out to us or reach out to you know whoever you can yeah your support system like they want to help you yeah and then just as a bottom line like women you you are not in service to support men Men, you are not in service to support women. Like yeah, you're, you, in, you're in service, you're in service yourself, to support man. yourself. That's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, and then you will find someone that where it's mutually like inclusive. Yeah. So one less. Yes. Fucking snaps, <laughs> baby. Snap. Sorry to get so deep, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um permission yeah, of sexual health. Uh, let's get to the fucking couples. Yes, absolutely. So let's talk about Daphne and uh what is his name in the show? Ethan. Ethan. No, Daphne. no, no, no. No, Daphne Daphne and Cameron, and then there's Cameron and then Ethan and Harper. Yep. Yep. So um Cameron is fucking hot. Oh my god, Theo James, fuck's sake. You know, honestly, 
HBO is doing such a good job of letting, like, it's not necessarily HBO. I really don't give them any credit anymore because, you know, these are all independent things, but um, they're doing, they have been doing such an incredible job of casting the sexiest guys as the worst guys. I know. It's, it's like, and it's really giving me a fucking complex. Okay. It's annoying. It's so enjoyable. It's so annoying. I'm like, why are y'all doing this? Like, get the fuck out of here. Honestly, it makes it. Well, that's the thing is because like, otherwise like women, especially like a sexual deviant, like I think that um, Cameron is going to be, Theo James is going to be, I think that he has to be sexy in order for us to still be intrigued. Right. Like it's like there's an appeal and I'm just like, no, but you're playing like it's it's almost like the um, God damn it. What is that movie with uh, um, like they always cast it like in the 80s and 90s. They always cast the sexiest women to play the worst victim, the, the worst villains. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just like, it's the same kind of concept as like they wanted men to watch and they wanted them to be intrigued yes. because well, she's so sexy and da da da. Like Sharon Stone, fuck, what was she in? Oh my God, this makes me feel so stupid. Um, oh no. But nonetheless, we'll come back to it. I'll figure it out. Um, but it's just like now they're doing the same thing because they know that women are watching more TV. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, they're, they're the, the ones who are actually watching shows like this. So they're like, okay, well, yeah, we're going to throw in a Theo James. Oh yeah, shirtless half the time, and God, the guy who's playing Ethan is very handsome. I'm like, you're very oh, 100. I also would uh, Michael Imperioli, bro. My God, still the sexiest for me. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with him. I can't stand him. I, I, um, he's in a band called Zopa. If this reaches, you know, whoever this reaches, please listen to Zopa. It's very good. Um, Z O P A. Uh, he's performing in Boston in a couple weeks and I'm going to see him and I'm like, uh, yeah. So nonetheless, um, all the guys so hot, so fucking hot. Yeah. Like, so the dynamic between they're all so bad. I know. And listen, this is episode one, so we don't really know anything, but the dynamic so far between Daphne and Cameron. So they are pretty much like, I would say just like a couple that's like pretty into each other. They're kind of oblivious, I would say, to other things. Oblivious, yeah. You know, like I would say they kind of come off as like fun loving, uh, sociable, extroverted. Well, and I would say just to like tailgate on that is like they're rich white people. So like even the conversation that they had at their like lunch brunch was like, did you vote? oh, I don't even know if I voted. Like, they're just oblivious because they're white and they're rich, so they don't need to care about anything else that's going on. Right. Right? So that's that's kind of what's happening. Um, I think on, like, I'll just say this quickly, but we'll continue talking about them. On the opposite scale, we have Harper. Yes. Who is, she's not a pro bono lawyer, but she's a lawyer for employees with lawsuits against their employers, which traditionally is a very like, uh, I don't want to label this as this because it's technically not, but it's like very like almost a liberal sign like side of work in the lawyer field where 
she's helping people go against big companies. Mm. Anything going against big companies is kind of uh, just automatically flagged blue and not red. And so it's like, there's that, but then everything else she said in the conversation about watching the news and the world burning, like she's, she's a nihilistic bitch. She is just like, you know, but you can tell that she's incredibly stressed by everything that's going on. And honestly, like, and I appreciate them putting her a character like that in it. Actually, you know what? Hold on. We're going to stop this. We're going to talk about um, Cameron and Daphne first. Let's talk about them first. Yes. Sorry. I, I, I introed Daphne or uh, Harper and then, yeah, let's not like spill off into her. No, it's fine. Um, I mean, I think just like setting the groundwork, you're right. Like they're rich white people. They're super oblivious. Um, they're kind of like, you know, it definitely like he's hot and he knows it for sure. You know, mm-hmm. and like, I think that maybe I don't, it's episode one, so I don't want to jump the gun, but like, maybe she ignores some of it. Like, and she's also very hot. So I'm like, I don't even know why you would cheat on your fucking spouse. Like y'all are made for each other aesthetically, like just gorgeous mm-hmm. couple. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but we can see that like, she is more, uh, she kind of like tags along, you know, she's like, yeah, and that's fine. And she like, she's good with it too you know she's like i'm having fun this is fun i'm having a good time and like he's gonna handle whatever the fuck he's handling yeah yeah no when she like they're at that table and she's like oh we vote and we donate and then he's like did you vote and she was like i don't know mm-hmm. like, and I was like okay yeah she's just that we know that they have kids um, because she says that at some point during the conversation. So like they have kids, they've been, and we know that they've been married for five years. So like, that's really the only backstory that we get on that couple. Okay. Um, but yeah, nonetheless, it's still, you know, Daphne the entire time had her like reservations and judgments, but it, and Daphne is incredibly judgmental. So like, as much as I love, um, her character, I don't, I, you know, honestly, I don't love her character as much as I want to love her character because I love that everything that she like means in the world. But, um, I hate her character because, you know, like, I don't hate it. I don't know. I'm just indifferent about it. She's incredibly judgmental. She'd made everything awkward for them the entire time. You know, like they have conjoining rooms. Harper, Harper's character. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, wait, yeah. What, what Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Harper. Yes, Aubrey Plaza. Harper. Yes. Yeah, you get the the um, but she um the entire time was making everything incredibly awkward, and then at even at the like brunch table, she was just, just diff. like. Yes, very stiff. Like all of them find like literally out of all the conversations they were having, like trying to find common ground, they found common ground in the show Ted Lasso. Oh my god, and, that was such a funny like, shout out. Love it that. So fucking, it was so fucking funny. And then um they're like, Oh, I watch it. Oh, I watch it. Oh, I watch it. And then Aubrey's just like glasses down, like, I don't watch Ted Lasso. And I'm yeah. just like, Oh my god, you really are just trying to ruin this whole thing aren't you 
you know, but then I think we, she's trying to. I think she's just like fucking. She's just like that. She's clenched, bro. Like right now, and it's not <laughs> because she notices it and she's trying. And like the husband, he's very laid back. Ethan is very laid back. You know, he's he's happy to be there. Honestly, he's probably my favorite character because I'm like, you're quiet, you're submissive, you're just like, I'm just trying to have a good time. And poor guy. Yeah. Is just like he's giving innocent bystander right now. Yeah, 100%. I have a note on that later when we get to the dinner scene. But um, the thing is, is that I'm almost like, like she is, I feel like she's almost setting herself up to be like, like, okay, we know what it's like to be like uh, an angry, aggressive, like almost nihilistic person and then to be um happy right and just to be charismatic and a social person Mm -hmm. so her having like all of these doubts i'm just like god like you just i don't like there's something about it that just bothers me because i'm like and she says it when her and ethan are alone in the room she's like okay well let me know when he asks you for something because i know that the only reason that they brought us here Mm -hmm. is for him to try to get you on some like shiesty some business money scheme yeah yeah so i'm like i'm curious about that but then let's get into the um harper and oh god what's his name sorry sorry i'm looking harper and cameron um oh my god this power play dick scene <laughs> Oh my god, the so, schlong from long. The schlong my, from long. Ding, my ladies dong. and gentlemen. I, first of all, obviously, it's a prosthetic peen, but we were still happy to see him. Yeah. Get out I here, mean, prosthetic peen, Paul. We love you. He's fucking sexy, and he's so, like, I, like, he hasn't been that devious yet, but I know he's gonna be because of how sexy he is, and I'm like, God damn it. I think what he did was fucking devious. Are you kidding? I mean, like, maybe he didn't fucking touch her or force her to do anything or anything like that. Thank Jesus Christ. It was Louis. Literally, it was Louis C.K. devious, except, like, he didn't have her trapped in a hotel room and, like, show it directly in her face. But, like, Louis C.K., fuck off. Um, That was some Louis C.K. bullshit. Right? Like, just like, it was a power play for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And at first, like, I really, again, White Lotus, very thought provoking. Like, I really had to, like, look at that scene closely because the way that they set it up, you know, she's, she's looking for the sunscreen. She's looking down. He just got the damn board shorts. And, like, he's behind the walls, not in the bathroom with her, but, like, the door is open to the bathroom and there's a mirror. So she's like searching around and he's starting to change into these swim trunks. And like, you know, at first it's like, maybe he's going to do it quick because she's like busy. Like, but then, and like he does, like it's, he doesn't lollygag, I would say. Like, it's not that slow. It's not like he's trying to like get her attention. But like, of course she notices. Like she's a human being who's like, what the fuck are you doing? And also, just on that note, like, they share the same room. Like, it's the same room template set, like, 
opposite. So it's like he knows that that bathroom window is full bot, like full length. Mm-hmm. So it's like he doesn't even have to look up to know that her looking in the mirror, like she's gonna see him mm-hmm. in this full length mirror. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So yeah, so it's like he so, knew automatically very calculated. Yeah. So at first, I, I like. At first, I wasn't sure. I was like, oh, like, what the fuck? I mean, it's so fucking awkward. Like, I'm not changing in front of anyone that I met, even if I think they're not looking and I'm going to be quick. Like, I'm just going to be safe about it. Like, just for my own damn security. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolute power play. We see his little schlong hanging by his leg. And I wouldn't say little. So sorry. I didn't mean to disrespect. No, it's, but- it's long. It was definitely a penis cap, though. That's not his dick. I don't give a fuck. Show us a penis <laughs> cap. And I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like, for the hose listening. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. I know, I know. Um, it was, yeah. It was very dangly. It was very not, dangly. You know, it was not, the, it was not his dick. Yeah. Um, so, you know, James, I'm not saying you have a small dick. Uh, I actually hope you have a big one, but, you know. <laughs> you know um yeah it was awkward it was awkward it didn't feel good um she you could tell in her eyes that it was uncomfortable she's like what the fuck is he doing but she was kind of quiet through it like i think you know in the moment she's a little bit frozen like yeah no as any woman should be like Mm -hmm. would be be, etc and like you're very right because i was thinking about the bigger picture in this, like, oh, we saw a dick and we saw, like, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, you're right on just the idea of, like, a trigger warning. Like, we didn't do a trigger warning, but, like, the idea of, like, knowing that that is trigger worthy. Right. Yeah, and sensitive I, material. It, it really is. And not because I was just like, oh, it's a dick. Like, it's fine. It's HBO. And no, but like, I had to really put myself in the context of it. And like, that's happened to a lot of us girls, like where somebody just exposes themselves in front of us. A very Louis CK experience. I'm sorry to keep name dropping Louis CK, but like, me too, bitch. <laughs> like, sorry, guy. Like, yeah. you were called the fuck out. Sorry, yeah. you're fucking asshole yeah so like it's it's you know interesting and i think that i mean it sucks and it it sucked to see that played out on screen but i think you know again like this is alluding to things that people do experience and how awkward it can be and you know um obviously we talked about it a bit off pod because it was so intriguing and so relatable for so many people that like you know in a situation like that, what are you going to do? You know, so I think that, like, her reaction was warranted um, to just, I think, like, you just, you never know. So, like, just kind of ignoring it and seeing, like, okay, if this is going to pass, like, let me just get the fuck out of here and, like, be safe, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, like, her reaction was very realistic. Him even doing that was realistic. And what I will say is that, like, a um, the everything that you're saying is is incredibly true. And I think that she was incredibly uncomfortable in that situation. That that resonated really well with how Aubrey played that um, throughout. But I will say that, like. 
when it comes to my theories for the episode, she's going to fuck him. Yeah. So like, I, it's just like, that was just the, the first milestone they had to get over is like her seeing the big dick and yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's not at all to diminish like what she could have felt. I just don't necessarily like, I don't know if she did feel those things, but, um, I mean, she did. She was uncomfortable. She mentioned it later to her husband. Mm-hmm. Clearly, they're both, you know, and that's another just like straw in it is that like they're both married and they're on vacation with each other and they're like significant others. So it's just like, it just, it's a very muddy, messy situation mm-hmm. regardless. So like for her to even mention it to him, like, She's the Capricorn. Um, oh my god, absolutely! I mean, I thought it was but, really nice. Like she didn't let any time really pass. Like she, no, seriously, like, I need to tell you. Yeah, yeah. So I like, I really something. respected it, but like that also sucked because he kind of not played it off. Actually, but- actually you know what? Let's talk about him for a second because he is emasculated at every fucking turn. Really, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. he by her. Like, mm-hmm. even when they, we'll get to, like, the dinner scene and we'll talk about that, like, through all of it, all the characters. But, like, at the dinner scene, I mean, maybe, fuck it, let's talk about it right now. We'll talk about the hose and the uh, the manager after. Yeah? Yeah. I'm um, just going to skip ahead right now. Let's talk about the dinner. Um, he, the, Them at the dinner table, when she, like, first of all, she's kind of dictating him the entire time she's not necessarily dictating him but she is very much an autonomous woman so like when the when they first get to the resort and she doesn't want the glass of prosecco and yeah. then the hotel manager is like you don't like prosecco and like it was no. like this whole thing yeah and, then and she's the with the fish. yeah so it was like this whole arg like it was really a debate with her and it's like she's very like hard to get on a level, right? Like she is on her own shit and she's always on her own shit. And so that was the first like disagreement that we see. And then we see more in the hotel room. And then really what I want to talk about is the dinner table when they're at dinner, it's the two couples at dinner and she's like, Oh, I think we should have the arugula salad and the beet salad and the you know, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, oh, I kind of wanted the fish. And he, she was like, oh, I don't want the fish, though. Yeah. And it's just like, damn, bitch, like, does yeah. this man have a mind of his own? You know, right. like, it's just very, like, she is in control of the situation. So, like, that's wicked interesting when you think about her and um, and Cameron, yeah, who's also like, in the control of like, his situation. Exactly, very much. Machismo yeah. fucking as fuck, right? Yep. So it's like, it, it's really interesting seeing that. And then then when she, later on that night, they're laying in, her and um, Ethan are laying in bed and she tells him about what happened with Cameron and he just kind of like, is like, oh, okay. And then like rolls well, over. He, he- Basically is, you know, he, I think he's like conflict avoidant, you know, he's like, these people invited us here. Like, he's we're trying to have a good time. He yeah. yeah. So like, he is just like, like yeah, just he, he, avoidant. 
Yeah. Right. So I think that he just like is like, okay, well, he didn't touch you or assault you directly or whatever. So like maybe he really was just changing. And again, the way that they framed it, like I understood. I mean, he didn't see it happen, but I understand why they said that in relationship to the way that they portrayed it. So, um, yeah, like she is a power player and so is he. And like, it's about to be bad news. And yeah, she's been difficult the whole time. Harper has been difficult because it's her way or the highway. And like, she's not really willing to budge, but I can see both her and Ethan budging in some ways. Like they've both tried to compromise a little bit with each other already, like silently, like, oh yeah, like, I think I like, let's get the fish. You know, I think she did end up agreeing to that. Yeah. Yeah. She did. She did. Even but I think Prosecco, only, you know? I think that was only because she had like an audience. Mm-hmm. I think that like because when they were um, behind closed doors, like he was setting up on her side of the bed, and she was like, "Oh no, that's my side of the bed." And he just like quickly was just like, "Oh okay, mm-hmm. like let me move." Like and he had like a whole suitcase unpacked on his side of the bed, and was just like, "All right, cool. Like yeah, I'll just move it." Like, he's clearly submissive, and she is the dominant. And, you know, so I think that that's, like, that, it's just, the thing is, I have no theories about it. I just think that's going to be incredibly interesting to see play out if she's the one that fucks him over. Because I really think that she's going to fuck. They play a game together, like Frisbee or some kind of, like, beach game. And, you know, Cameron and Harper have to go head-to-head. That would uh, be fucking great. Oh my god, I know. Just like a yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I really think that she's gonna fuck Cameron, and oh god, I don't know. It's gonna be fucking juicy. I know it. Yeah, God, this so I mean, just squeezing with juice. Um, yeah. Okay, let's move on. Yeah, let's talk about uh the rest of the dinner. So Jennifer Coolidge and um the husband are eating. Oh my god. Like oh my they god. go out to Anya dinner. And this is Anya and Greg. This is after she already uh basically like dismissed her assistant, which her husband kind of guilted her into feeling bad about invite like yes. having her on the trip. So yeah. <clears throat> Portia has been locked up in her room all day, but she came out for dinner. And of course, it's coincidental that Tanya and Greg would show up at the same time. So well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tanya is like, yo, hide your fucking face. Like, Greg can't see you. Um, this was probably the funniest fucking scene of the goddamn episode when she's mouthing yeah. to her, like, oh, go yeah. to your room. Yes. From across the table. It was just such a motherly <laughs> thing. So awful. Yeah. It was so awful. Because, like, okay, so we get um a little bit more of Portia like earlier at the pool. And she actually speaks to Albie, who is the grandson of Bert, the son of Dom. Um, and they're talking for a little bit. And before she actually speaks to him, she's on the phone, like crying to her friend, just like this woman has $500 million and like she, they're fucking psycho and all this stuff. Yeah, She's and having a bad was, Italian trip. Yeah. Literally. She's like, I have been at home for three years and I finally come to Italy. And then this bitch like for, for bans me to my fucking room. Like I'm Rapunzel. And I, first of all, I just want to like point out um, that her friend was just like, go get some dick. And I'm just like, <laughs> Yes, honey. Good friend. Yes. Good fucking yeah. friend. Yeah. 
when I was in Italy, that's exactly what I did. And it was fucking hell yeah. Goddamn groove back, baby. Um, but yeah, then Albie and her kind of make friends. And I'm just like, okay, like common acquaintances, they're close in age. Like, I hope that they help each other through this. But, um, you know, moving right into dinner. The, well, I, I, in in that conversation, she's like, everything to order to the room is pasta. I'm going to be so bloated. And yes. I'm just like, okay, like these LA, like gluten intolerance, you know, like yeah. I get it. I'm like, I could eat nothing but pasta and I would be fucking 90 pounds. But okay. Um, you know, it's just like everybody, you know, whatever. Um, so it's, it was very funny that she just like had this like, like sobbing complaint about everything being pasta because I'm like, truly in everything in Italy is pasta. Yeah. It's literally just pasta. Um, so her and Albie have this conversation. Then let's fast forward it to dinner. She's sitting by herself at the restaurant where she's trying to get some actual food besides pasta. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then, like you said, Jennifer Coolidge, uh, Tanya sees her. And, God, it's just a fucking mess from there. That's where the whole thing spins. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I think, you know, just along with, like, any partner that you might be with shaming you or guilting you into anything, like, Portia is there to help this bitch not be a hot mess whether or not she's like honeymooning with her husband, like the the fucking assistant can stay out of the way and like schedule all your shit. Like that's the point. Like when yeah. you're rich as fuck, you still do that on your honeymoon. So like mm-hmm. I um I just think like we're you know we're seeing more of that like controllingness, you know, and we're gonna and it's gonna explode. Yeah. Um okay so I wanna talk about um let's just talk like quickly about the the Jennifer like the Tanya and Greg Jay Cool and husband um blow up in the room and then I will get to the honorable comedic mentions yes um but like I want to just oh and also um Michael Imperioli with the hooker oh. of course what the hell uh, with the fucking hoe of all hoes. God, I just... We, we, but, you know. We yeah, we didn't really touch on these hoes. Um, we love them dearly. Their yeah. names are Mia and Lucia. And uh, Lucia, uh, formerly known as... Or, like, informally known as Lucci. We love them. And we also love... Um, I will... Listen. Okay, hold on. I'll say the, the funny stuff in a minute. But... Uh, Jay Cool and the husband with the fucking hiding of the macaroons and the secret phone call. Let's just talk about that for a second uh, and theorize if we can. Okay, so yeah, we already touched on it a little bit. So he, we know that he hid the macaroons because she finds them and she brings them. She's like, hey, like I found these two macaroons. Like I told you I only had three. And before she mm-hmm. even, like, he gaslighted her. She was like, oh, like, I don't remember even eating cookies generally. Like, in the Yeah, no, he was, he's a gaslighting bitch right. is what he is. So she was, whatever. She she kind of just, like, swallows in. like, yeah, like, okay, cool, whatever. Like, moving on. So she shows him. And she's like, yeah, I told you. Like, I was pretty sure that I only ate three. And he is just like, he just is like, I don't really give a fuck. Like, I don't care. And he's on the yeah. phone with his secret yes. phone call and he's going off and we hear him in the room and she's listening and like 
we can tell something is wrong on the other end. Um, yeah. So she asks, she knocks on the door and she's like, yeah, like, who are you talking to? And she's like, yeah, it's just Bob from work. But it's so dismissive. I know. That's Honestly, the bottom line I, about this scene. Yeah, yeah, literally. And I almost want to, as soon as we talk about this and the Mike Imp and Ho scene, um, I want to talk about the theories before I do the honorable um the comedic uh references but okay so so yeah it's it's just it felt very weird it felt very weird like he because the thing is is like if you if you watch the in this season like the the trailer for the entire season you can tell that like tanya j cool is like she thinks that greg is cheating on her but like that's not at all what I got from this phone call. And I think honestly, mm. like if we're thinking white Lotus writing, like the, it's more sinister than that. Mm. Like that's my only theory about this specifically is that there's some other shit going on. Yeah. Absolutely. Maybe, you know, like, I don't know. It's just like, he still can get a dick hard for her. He, he can still fuck her. Like, I don't think that he's like full blown gay, like, because that would have been my first thing. But you know, I think that um, I don't know. It's just it's something. Well, there's money thing. Like he might be trying to get money out of her. I mean, she's rich. Well, and, like and, that's and, the main so, thing. Exactly. And literally, my mom said that earlier. She was like, "I think that that's what he is. Is he's like embezzling money from her shit, whatever. That's why he doesn't want her assistant around. Like he's so adamant about Portia not being there because Portia, she's her assistant, but clearly she knows how much money J. Cole has." So it's like she must be in her bank accounts making deposits, making withdrawals, making, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like her like legitimate financial assistant. Yeah. So that might make total sense of like I'm trying to you know. Yeah. Um but nonetheless, that guy's a fucking asshole. I really loved Greg in season 1. I thought that he was great. Um I said this already on this pod, yeah. but like fuck guy. Okay. Well, I was going to say also, like, speaking of phone calls, one phone call that I really want to talk about, and I think it's a good segue into Dom and, like, his situation is, you know, we don't meet the wife, but you were super excited because it's Laura Dern's voice. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You're right. No, it is. It has to be 100% Laura Dern. So I heard it for the first time and I was like, I know Laura Dern, like the back of my fucking hand, that woman. I love her. She is an incredible actress. And then as soon as I like heard the first like, like, what the fuck do you want? I was like, oh, this is Laura Dern. Like, this has to be Laura Dern. So, and then I was solidified by Evan Ross Katz. Love him. He's a journalist. Um, He tweeted the same thing today. And I was like, okay, I am free to say this on the podcast without being an asshole for like having a theory that's not true. But 100%, that's Laura Dern on the phone. I hope that she makes a cameo at some point. But yes, let's talk about it because with uh, Dom's uh, character, first of all, 100% a sex addict. Like, I'm calling that right now. Like, he hadn't even gotten in Italy and already ordered hookers. Yeah. So I'm like... <laughs> like literally. Literally. Like, 
He needs yeah. sex. Like he needs a warm bed and a bottle of water. Like he's so like, I believe <laughs> this shit. I, I do this. Um, yeah. So it's, it's really interesting because like on the phone with his wife, like there, she's unhappy. She is pissed the fuck off. She's like, dude. Oh, and he's like, he's trying to like be, I wouldn't say apologize. Like, I guess he does apologize, but like, it's almost like, He's just he's it's almost like I fucked up, but I'm still gonna like be in this forever. Well, I think that he's really like okay, what that read to me was that like he is almost like masochistic masochistic in this way of like um like I'm just gonna let like I feel guilty. So instead of me hitting myself, I'm going to let you hit me as much as you can. Okay. You know, yeah. like, like wait, I don't know. I'm just like, I've, I feel like I've just dated so many guys like this. <laughs> guys. <laughs> no. um, but like, it's just like, like, every, like, it just feels like I'm just going to say like it, in, in, in his presence and in his demeanor and in his, his, um, silence it felt like i called you because i actually wanted to say something to you and i started saying something like oh my dad's being a real piece of shit right now and blah, 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 whatever the fuck he was yamming on about but then as soon as like he knew that that's what her response was going to be mm-hmm. and he still just let it happen and i'm like yeah he like has a guilt complex where he's gonna let her beat him down verbally yeah right yeah. and and just and he's open for that because that's what he thinks that he deserves and that's why i immediately attributed what he's going through to a sex addiction yeah yeah and yeah, not yeah. just like oh i fucked around on the side like no he like i feel like he legit has a sex addiction yeah and then we also see that like we'll talk about this in a second but like him with the the prostitute you know lucia like we see kind of like his emotions coming out and then that but like that was my take on it is that like he feels terrible right like he feels bad about it but it's it's an addiction it's not something that he like he he almost is like okay i know this is horrible but i have no control over it right and i know this people up but i also have no control over it like i know i'm gonna hurt you but i can't help it yeah so give me all you got like yeah that's read to me yeah so it's really interesting because we see that we know that his dad is a creepy old guy who's yes exactly and that is what makes the most sense is how how sexually fucking active his father is and i'm just like okay clearly we know who you got exactly exactly so i'm like oh you're a deviant but you're just not open about it like you're you know which i think is like a direct response to his father being like open and flirty like of course you're not gonna say shit about your shit um so that's a good point no that's such a good point like he's like a deviant discretion yes and his father is a deviant in like yeah, in an extroverted way. So um, I do want to talk about the sex scene. So there was actually a couple of sex scenes. We did see Jennifer Coolidge, uh, her character, and Greg. And we only see Greg's butt. 
so it's fine and i was here for it maybe maybe we'll do like going forward like just like a segment on the sex scenes honestly um well it's, <laughs> okay it's not that important i just want to talk about it quickly you know we've talked about it before I don't disagree with nudity in movies at all, but I do think it's really interesting to see sex scenes that don't have any nudity that really still portray the sex scene so well. And this sex scene between Dom and Lucia. Yes. Um, it was, I really liked it. Like it wasn't too long. It was, and it still felt like sexy and spicy and like compassionate. I just really appreciated that scene um so kudos to them for like pulling it off the team hbo the actors like i just i thought yeah, that was really nice it was fucking right it was fucking right and also like i remember saying this to you last night like i'm just happy that they didn't do like any sort of nudity in episode one we know we like well with from- at least on for women like i mean we saw the fake dick yeah oh yeah we saw the fake dick but like kudos like yes give us a fake dick in episode one of a series and not tits yeah and wonderful like we're moving in the right direction yeah so i don't know it just like that felt really nice um and i think like there's actually like plenty of sex scenes in my lifetime that i've seen that like there was no nudity and it was done well and i'm like it can be done and like that's a cool concept and there's great sex scenes that it's fucking nude. Love that too. That like yeah. some great ones. Uh, but mm-hmm. I do think it's like it. I would imagine that it's more challenging to pull off a non-nude sex scene and I mean, make it I, feel, yes. you know, as powerful. So th- that's all I'm yeah. saying. Is like hats off to them. Kudos. Loved it. Yeah, no, for it, it. It was incredible. It was incredible. I. Honestly, like even outside of the sex with Dom and Lucia, the prostitute at the end of the scene, like this is our literally our closing scene. Um, the conversation that they had was really nice because it was about closeness and about how he wasn't willing to open up and how she wasn't she wasn't gonna try to break down the barriers. And it like I'm just like, okay, that's solidified the almost like instant romance between them like he's like i have walls that i'm gonna keep up and she's like i'm not gonna try to break them down and it was like all right cool yeah like boom like here we go like this is our connection now and i think that's really interesting um so like i loved that and i for and like just an honorable mention to the fucking hoes in this lucia mia mia's not a hoe but lucia is definitely a hoe and we love her. She's finally we can talk about HB hoes so hard right yeah. now. Just being, uh, it's just a, you know, I I don't want to call her a hoe throughout this whole thing. Like you know, because sex work well, is fucking we're important. Reclaiming, we're reclaiming the word. Yeah, we definitely so- are. Absolutely, we don't mean it as a negative connotation. But like, it is so nice to see like some sex work and like just like a nice. I don't know, like. It, it felt really positive. I was like, finally. Yeah. Jesus. I know. And this is the first time that we've seen it. Like, this is the first time the HBOs are reporting on hoes. And it feels great. Hell yeah. It feels, it feels good feels to have great. us. We're glad to be here. I know. Honestly, we love you guys. Like, 
uh, Mia and Lucia. Um, yes, Lucia. That is uh, one of their names. Uh, Beatrice Grano y Simona Tabasco. Hey. Si. Hey. Yeah. No, you fucking love you guys. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, it really is just such a fun addition. I also love it just because I'm like, okay, you guys are in this. Like, I'm just like, thank you, Mike White. Thank you, writers. Thank you, everybody else that's in like in in the crew of like actually like harvesting Italian talent to be in the show. You know, like it. That's so nice. It's so nice. So like, it's so nice. uh, it's so, and I don't want to say on trend because. It's always trendy to be inclusive. Like, yeah, that's not just like a, a fad or something. Like, that's classic. You know what I mean? So, like, it's yeah. just nice to see more of that. Um, it's nice to see it sourced from, like, you know, local, like, if you will. Like, it, yes. it's just really yeah. nice. Like, it feels homegrown. It feels good. Yeah, it's, 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 it's really, 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 really nice, especially because, like, you can clearly tell that Italian is their first language they're speaking it incredibly well. Like it's not, it's not fugazi bullshit. It's not fake. Like it's, it's not just some American person that knows how to speak Italian that comes in out of the woodwork. And like, I really, really love that they like naturally sourced from this area, Dude. especially because, you know, Madison and I both have ties to this area, you know, yeah. right? But we're talking Italian, baby. Oh, you know, yeah. I probably love it. I feel like a deep connection to this this season. Hell yeah. Um, but with that being said, let's talk about the honorable humorous mentions because God. fuck's sake. It okay, we funny. just Oh my god, we just got off of 10 episodes of House of the Dragon with literally two laps the entire series it was not that funny i mean it was great but it was just oh man there could have been a little more humor and the humor that they did have it was just like a light chuckle and i was like okay i guess thanks for that and it it was all just like i irony from damon and i'm like okay cool that's funny but like matt smith you can't carry the whole show yeah um i'm very happy to have some laughs back into this one the first one being bert farts it was the prosecco it was the prosecco (laughs) oh fuck i can't say it now um shout out emma darcy for that we are so thankful Yes, there's Honestly, lots of um, such such wonderful memes with that sound, and I just I fucking love it. Yeah, um, I honestly wish he would have just said instead of it was the prosecco was it was the prosecco in it, <laughs> you know, prosecco in but, it. Oh my god, so it's prosecco in it. <laughs> god, that would have been fucking perfect. Um, yeah, yeah. Another yeah. so. I just want to say my favorite one because we both loved it and we both tweeted it is the fucking old man. Oh, when, say the whole line. Say the whole line. Yeah, it's worth it. He's just talking about, you know, dicks and how they're ugly. And he's like, yeah, it's a penis, not a sunset. And that oh was fucking perfect. 
It was great. It, it was, was great. Perfect. Because he's absolutely right. Because his his grandson was like, oh, nobody should be subjected to see an old man's junk. And he was yeah. like, bitch, yeah. they're already ugly. The foot? Yes, exactly. In quote, it's not like it was so beautiful to look at anyway. Yes. It's it's not a sunset. Yes. And I'm like, no, no. You, no, no. No, no. You, you know, know something about this shit. You were 80 years old and you were wise, my man. You were wise. Um, okay. Greg, Greg saying swamp crotch oh after sex. He was like, oh, you don't want to fuck swamp crotch. So you and I'm like, um, I don't think her vagina gives a shit. Thanks, Greg. Yeah. But like, you know, thanks for letting us know that you're, you're incredibly wet down there. Oh my God. Incredibly <laughs> Swamp Crotch is hilarious, though, and I'm glad that White Lotus blessed us with that term. It was so fucking great. Normally, normally it's like it's like like what do we say? Like swamp, swamp ass. Yeah, that's Florida. That's the Florida name. Swamp ass. So Swamp Crotch. It sounds a little more dignified. I feel like. Yeah, it encompasses all things. Truly, (laughs) truly. Um. Okay. Do you want to do the hotel manager? Oh my god, yes. Okay. <laughs> Hotel manager, my other favorite fucking line. So she also my doesn't favorite. want the fucking two besties, the one hoe and the other one who's like kind of a hoe but not really. Um she's like, I don't want y'all doing that shit in my hotel, but they've gotta be sneaky. So Lucia sneaks in and it's funny because the hotel the resort manager sees her, but she like doesn't get there in time. She's like, that's a quick little slut. And that yeah. took me, or she said, actually, she's one fast slut. That took me yeah. out. I was on the fucking floor. It literally was the funniest shit. Oh, like, nice. okay, so Lucia and Mia are both sitting at the bar. They come in through the back way. Um, it's it's actually very funny because they go to the bathroom first as soon as they get in there. And Lucia, who is the, like, bona fide, like, prostitute, is trying to like dress Mia up as prostitute. Mia is like the, the innocent one. And she puts all this makeup on Mia and Mia immediately looks at herself in the mirror and is like, Oh my God, I look like a putana and which means whore. <laughs> and it's, it's so funny. Um, and so they, they like eventually like make their canolas as they get out to the bar. And then, um, yeah, Lucha fucking, like makes a run for it somewhere. The hotel manager sees her, tries to follow her, and loses her immediately. It's so fucking funny. It's just like I lost her. Yeah, she disappeared. That's one fast slut. Yeah. It's fucking great. Oh my god. Um, you know, you always have these people that like speak other languages that tell you jokes in other languages that say, "Oh, it's funnier in that language." Like it was funnier in Italian. It's true. So fucking funny. It's true. Um, okay, well, those are all our notable humorous moments. But Maddie, let's wrap it up with favorite scene. Um, ooh, great question. I forgot that we do this. <laughs> I am going to say uh, I think God, you know, I have to say probably the opening scene. It, too. Um, I think that's yours. Yeah, that's mine. 
I think that's yours. I'm so sorry. I hate to jump on it, but I think just like, you know, you and I are chronological and we're nostalgic. So as it made me feel so comforted, I felt very secure. I was like, oh. I know. I loved it. I was like, oh, this is familiar. Like, I love I don't this. think any other scene can beat that feeling, truly. No, I don't, I don't think so either. I don't think so either. I, I will agree. Okay, so both Maddie and I are agreeing on the same thing. Like, really, it was just this chronological, um, like you said, nostalgic. The familiarity. Of like, yes, like of the, like, Number one, the song, like I loved it that it was different, but I loved that there were notes that were the same. Like I'm obsessed with the theme song. And then immediately coming into, well, we had the like death scene in the beginning, which we knew from season one, but then like really like veering over into the boat of everyone coming in, the different pans of every different group, which we got in season one. And then... Oh my god, the fucking resort manager just being like, "You have to raise with your with your right hand. Follow me." Yes. You know, just this robotic, like like psychoticness that they resume, and it's just that whole thing was just perfect for me because you know, and that's I think just like an ode to Mike White. Like he knew what was right in season one, and yeah. he didn't change it in season two. And I'm like good on you like just be creative with the theme but don't be creative with the the tools and the tools are these things right here this is the hammer and the wrench right now like you know what I mean like don't don't get stupid with by the way you know what actually I do have another favorite scene and I'm gonna say it's from Daphne um when they're all at the table talking with the April spritzes and it's so funny, the shit that's, they're just having casual conversation. And this is not like a big, this isn't even a big yeah. plot thing, but it was so fucking funny what she said. So this is giving me, I wrote this in my notes. It reminds me of like an apocalyptic soap opera in a way, but like personally apocalyptic, like individualistically apocalyptic. Um, mm. But the when Daphne is talking about the damn dateline story and she's like yeah like husbands killing their wives I love it and like it's mostly on vacation and like they're on vacation with their husbands god it was so like I I felt like it was very meta of her to say that I was like what the fuck oh my god so yeah I know I would say, yeah okay so that's a good second scene I would say that my um second scene would probably be the dinner table between the three guys um yeah dom albie and bert like just that that conversation was incredible like i'm just like just three generations talking about the same thing yes you know it's great because like even like albie it's pretty much albie talking to bert and albie's like uh can your dick even get hard again you know not get hard past your foreign it's so great and then dom jumps in is like 50 is not i know my it was just very funny. Yeah, yeah. It was it that was great. That was fucking perfect. Um I think just like, you know, some family shit, just like generations talking to each other. It's it it's it's very cute. Yeah, it's very yeah. cute. It's nostalgic. It's mm-hmm. familial. It's familiar. Like we love it. So thank you everyone for listening 
to us uh, talk about White Lotus, the premiere episode of season two. We are so excited. It's thought-provoking. It's fun. We're going to be doing this every week for all of the episodes. I don't know. Is there eight, ten? Do we know? I can't remember. Seven. Oh, seven. God, I forgot. Seven weeks you got us, baby. Yeah, but regardless, tune in next week. You know, throw us into your rotation and uh, find us where, Sam? At hb.hose on Instagram, hb underscore hose on Twitter, and hose at hbhose.com. For emails. Email. Yes. <laughs> We're fucking out of here, but we can't wait. We're counting down the minutes for next week's episode. All of you little harlots and tramps and hoes, we love you. Thank you so much. HB. Bye. Bye.